God bless you. Hallelujah. Can we clap our hands to the Lord today? In God a great God. Amen. Thankful today for all of his many blessings and all that he does for us. And there's no way that we could ever repay him other than just give him our praise and our worship that flows from the bottom of our heart. We're so happy to be in Lake City with our good friends, brother and sister McCall. We honor them today. And um, it's an honor for them to be here. We honor this church beautiful building, great group of people. So thankful for the presence of the Lord that we feel in this place today. And uh, I'm believing that God is going to do great things before we leave today, not because I'm here by no stretch of the imagination, but because the presence of the Lord is in this place. And uh, where the presence of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's healings that take place, miraculous things will just begin to to appear and we're thankful for that so thankful to have tony and meredith with us and uh, my granddaughter <laughs> and my wife and my oldest granddaughter i have three granddaughters i don't have any grandsons yet we're waiting on meredith and tony we're holding out, and uh, so we can kind of pass the mantle, but to whatever God wants. But I will say this, I have perfected barber shopping. I know how to barber shop, and so uh, there is some benefits of that. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with uh, this afternoon, turn with me to First Chronicles, the 29th chapter. First Chronicles 29. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Furthermore, David... The king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen is yet young and tender. And the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Going to verse 18. We find David's prayer here. He says, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee and give unto Solomon, my son. Say that with me. My son. A perfect heart to keep the commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes. And to do all these things and to build the palace for which I have made the provision. 
And David said to the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God, and to all the congregation bless the Lord God of their fathers, and bowed down their heads, and worshiped the Lord King. Verse 23, Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father. And prophet, prophet all of Israel obeyed him, and the princes and the mighty men and the sons likewise of King David submitted themselves unto Solomon the king. I heard an interview a couple of weeks ago with a family counselor that he was talking about raising families in the day that we're living in. He said, raising a family in this day, it's trying and it's treasured task. It's trying that it is because there are so many dysfunctional homes today, and they even resent the families being mentioned. It's treasured that in true and lasting change comes from the heart of the home. I believe that a godly home should be marked with the fruit of the Spirit. And if there's any barriers that needs to be removed, they need to be removed by this, so the Spirit of God can move and function in that home. I want to speak just for a few moments this morning on the family must be connected to the church. I'm no expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I can say today that I'm blessed that my children have been raised in church. They don't know anything else. I have three beautiful granddaughters that are being raised in the church. Church that I pastor in Cobden, Illinois is fifth generation. Is that right? Fifth generation. It's being raised. We've been married 35, 35 years. It may seem a little emotional. Family is something that I'm passionate about. If we've lost our family, we've lost everything. Brother McCall, would you pray and ask God's blessing? Jesus' name. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It is said that the surface of the Red Sea is the lowest level that it has ever been. There is little fresh water that comes from the Jordan River, and it's said that the Dead Sea grows saltier, saltier and saltier as it grows lower and lower. 
there's some talk that has been thrown around about building a canal which extends from the Red Sea or the Meridian Sea into the Dead Sea for some time in the future down the line. It is thought that the ancient ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah, according to some of our commentaries and according to some of our scholars, lie deep beneath the surface of the Red Sea. We know today that God destroyed these twin cities with fire and he destroyed them with brimstone. So if the surface of the Red Sea is, is falling, it must be that Sodom is rising. Wicked cities in this last days and, and wicked sins in these cities are known to rise as well. The world we're living in, I believe, that is growing darker and darker. It's growing. Uh, things are happening around us that we never thought we would see in our uh, imaginations. And though the sins of Sodom have become common once again in the world that we're living in, I begin to think, if that is the case, if that is true, if that is what is really happening... What becomes of that risk? Let me tell you what happens. It's our families that comes at risk. It's our children that comes at risk. It's our grandchildren that comes at risk. Jesus said, because of the increase of the wicked, the love of many will grow cold. It's like a, it's like a plague where wickedness abounds there is bloodshed and there's violence and there's racial hatred. We've seen it in the news over the last few weeks of uh, the shootings in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. The moral decay, the drug abuse, the collapse of morals, the ever-increasing of his sexually transmitted diseases, the increase of immortality and perversion and Every unimaginable sin that, that, that we could find is out there. I was in a class a few weeks ago on a Saturday, had to spend the day there. And we watched a film on child trafficking. The TSA has done a study then and showed that, trial, that child trafficking here in the United States is higher than slavery was years ago on the news just a few weeks ago in the area that I live in and brother if you could pull the slide up of the mother and the little girl that we sent you it's the this little four-year-old girl went missing she was found a month later in Texas she wasn't kidnapped she wasn't taken out of an abandoned car Nobody rushed into their home to take the little girl, but the mother that you see on the screen sold her for $100 worth of cocaine. So they found her in Texas whenever the authorities rushed in. It was not only her that was in the room, but there was some 30 to 40 other little girls under the age of five years old in that room as well. I think it's safe today to say that Sodom is rising. And just in our local newspapers a week ago, 
in southern Illinois where a lot of small communities, brother, if you could pull the next highlight up. There was eight men that was indicted for child trafficking in our where I live. And I'm sure you hear it and see it on the news here. We see almost daily where God has become the unspeakable subject in our public schools. Churches are selling out for godliness and indecency. Homosexual clergy are now the major religious organizations across our country. Yes, Sodom is rising. In a recent study, the Barna Group did a study and saw that the upswing of 2,400% in positive references to homosexuality lifestyles not on TV, not on the radio, not actors portraying, but there was a increase of 2,400% in the church of today. It was said of the Barner Group that homosexuality lifestyles has become something that just has been accepted in our society. But let me say this today, if God called it an abomination in the Word of God, it's still an abomination today. It is wrong today. We hear on the news daily of illegal immigration to build the wall. But more than that, the legal immigration, uh, what about the evil that comes into our homes and to our communities? We see children that's dressing so immodest today, little girls getting pregnant at 10, 12, 14 years old, abortions is at an all-time rise, and the state that I live in in Illinois are setting the standards for it. If there's ever a time that we raise up a banner, it's the day and age that we are living in. It's the day and age that says we're going to take a stand in the name of Jesus. The real battle in our society today is not the gang wars. It's not the drug wars. It's not the battle to rise to the top. But the battle is our decency. The battle is our future and the future of our children and the future of our grandchildren. We're seeing violence in schoolyards and violence in the streets. And, and what has happened to our children? Why the increase of youth and and violence. America needs to wake up because there is a storm that is on the horizon. What would cause an 11 or 12 year old child to take a weapon to murder fellow students or a 14 year old girl to be raped? And I read that the violent crime that has increased 500% over the last few years. The rate of violent crime in the United States is worse than any industrialized country. And in addition to that, eight out of every ten Americans will be a victim to a violent crime at least one time in their life. Who's to blame? Some say it's the availability of weapons. Some argue it's the violence on TV. Some say it's just the environment that we're living in. I read a study that's shown the games are being produced today, the Xbox, the Playstations. 
The children today can't tell the difference between reality and the game playing. If they play the games like, uh, what is it, Tony, the bank robbers and all of that, Grand Theft Auto, that it's all right to go out and do those things because it's, they don't pay a penalty playing it on Xbox. There's no penalty playing it on the PlayStation. And they think they can go and portray what they're seeing. I'm not pastor, but let me say this. Be careful what you allow in your homes. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful the things that you're doing. Christian parents are confronted today with a sick culture. Not only in the, in the real world growing up, there's more violence and, and, than the make-believe world as well too. There's six million video games that are played on a nightly basis, but not only by children, but adults also as well. There's 4,000 or more major studies that show harmful effects of uh, video game playing on our children. 55% of kindergarten students who asked, were asked if they would rather spend time with their father or play video games. They chose the games over their father. Church, we have a responsibility to this next generation. We have that responsibility. I was up early this morning praying for the service today. Tony and Meredith, Olivia got up sitting in a chair, reading, studying, praying. And Tony come by and Olivia got in my lap, drank her milk, ate her donut, having breakfast with Paul Paul. I loved every minute of it for about 30 minutes there. But as she was sitting in my lap, Brother McCall in that recliner, Tony's, I couldn't help but just sit and pray for her. I just pray the blessings of God on her. Pray that God protects her. Before we know it, she'll be in school and facing different things and different situations than we had to. And I said all of that to say this, that there's ever a time that we plead the blood of Jesus over our children and our grandchildren and our families. It's today. It's not the time to take the blood out of the songbooks. It's not the time not to preach about the shedding of blood because it might offend somebody. But we need to plead the blood over our children every day and that we are awake and alive and walking and breathing. We need to be pleading the blood over our families. And my son and daughter-in-law and granddaughters are here today. And I want them to know that their grandpa pleads the blood over them every morning in a church office. That God protects them and God leads them and guides them and keeps them in their way. I'm still a firm believer in 2018 that the blood of Jesus still works today. Hallelujah. Can we raise our hands and worship the Lord? Hallelujah. 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 A Christian home should be just that, a Christian home. 
What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? If a child of God is the temple of God, what path has he that believeth with an infidel? I know, I know that there's those today that, that the ministry, they say that the ministry is just too narrow-minded. Been there. I was told a week or two ago by another minister that said, Brother Goforth, we was talking about some things, and he said, Brother Goforth, he said, you need to broaden your horizon a little bit. You need to, to let down a little bit. You need to do this. You need to do that. He said, perhaps you're just a little bit too narrow-minded. He said, you're too old school. Well, that may be right, and I've been accused of that before. But I'm reminded that the way to heaven is narrow too. There's the newest of technology that's around us today, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But be careful in your application of it. The world's not limited to certain forms of technology. Just make the appropriate, appropriate choices. Someone asks, oh, is there a middle ground somewhere? Well, there may be a middle ground. There, there, there might be somewhere. But who wants to experiment with our children? Who wants to experiment with our grandchildren? Who would want our children and grandchildren to be the guinea pigs? Our children. These grandchildren are too precious for that. And there's those today that and, and, and I read this and I was just floored. There's those today that claim it's a good thing to intoxicate our children with a little worldliness. We don't want them to feel sheltered. We don't want them to feel left out. We want them to be just uh, uh, go along with the flow. And I'm not saying today that everything outside of these walls is wrong. And we've lived in a day that seemingly that everything was sin. But when we intoxicate our children and our grandchildren when the things of the world, I wonder how this squares up with love, not the world. Yes, I believe that Sodom is rising. That's why as born again Christians, we should rise as well. We've seen it throughout history. We're coming up on the anniversary of, uh, of 9-11. And we can go back to that day. We can go back to what we was doing. Where we was at at, at 10 minutes after 8 on that, uh, on that morning. And then we've seen the churches filling up. And we've seen people going to prayer. We didn't see the atheists. And we didn't see the, the homosexual marching for their rights. And we didn't say that all oh, that were being abused. But we've seen people coming together in prayer and seeking the face of God. You can go to the word of God when Israel did wrong. God raised up judges. When believers failed God 
A remnant was preserved. When the enemy comes in like a flood, let me say this, that the Spirit of the Lord is going to raise up a standard in this last day. He's going to raise up a standard and something that we can hold on to that will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As Christians, we need to be to rise to the task that is before every one of us. And that is to say that my family is going to be saved. Josh McDowell said of the family and family life, rules without relationships lead to rebellion. Parenting is, is by design. It's not by accident. It's not up to the children to decide how they're going to be parented. King David pictured a beautiful life for his son Solomon. David asked God to give his son a perfect heart to keep his commandments and thy testimonies and thy statutes to build a temple just to be pleasing to God. David had a plan and he worked that plan and he parented intentionally for the day that his son would take the throne. And for children who are left in happenstance, I promise you, they'll not fare well. If our children have no boundaries and, avoid, and parents who avoid setting curfews and drawing lines and having rules and knowing who their friends are will only lead to the destruction of that child. I promise you that. It will only lead to the destruction. They'll be lost. I read where NBA player Dennis Rodman, who played for the Chicago Bulls, and radio talk show host Howard Stearns, that's on FM radio, share one thing in common. They both came from different backgrounds. They both grew up in different cities, miles apart. They went to different schools, had different hobbies to grow up, growing up. But one thing that they do share in common is lack of affection for one or both of their parents. Rodman's father walked out on him when he was three years old. He never knew his father. There's the resentment. Howard Stern's mother told him on a daily basis that he was worthless and would never amount to anything. Where there's no structure for a child and not showing love, but rules enforced in love shows that a child, that they are wanted and treasured and they are valued. Don't sell your kids short. Don't paint them with a brush of negativity. Children have the power one day to bless you or to curse you. Invest in them everything that you can. You may not have the monetary wealth. You may not have uh, all the things that you would want. But spend time with them. Spend time with them. Work with them. Get them involved in what you, you're doing. I was thinking this week in prayer, and the Lord just brought me back to some things. 
I remember growing, whenever we was married, we lived close to the church. Married about four years before our daughter come along, and then a couple of years later, Tony come along, and and um, they're about as different as daylight and dark. And um, but Tony always had to be on my heels. I, my daughter's a daddy's girl too, but had to always be on my heels. And we was I, I was growing up in the church that I pastor now. We um, always took care of the yard, the weed eating, mowing, and that. And I went and bought a new mower, and it had one of these uh, hydrostatic transmissions on the side. Tony's probably five, maybe, and he's sitting there on the steps of the house watching me mow. And finally come out, and he said, Daddy said, let me mow. Let me do that. So I sent him in. Back then, we were in the cell phones. This was before cell phones. A lot of you young guys don't understand that, but it's before cell phones. And I said, go in there and get a couple of those thick song, um, phone books. He went in and got them, and I put them on the seat and told him, I said, that's how you stop it. You just keep going in that circle following this. And so he, he did that, and my wife come up the driveway about 30 minutes later. Needless to say, she wasn't real happy with her husband and... And um, there was a lot of yes, ma'ams, and 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 yes, ma'am, and and I got this taken care. Of. Yes, ma'am, and and so, but we worked it out. We had no green pickup. Akita, happy married, had no green pickup. Oh, just an old beater. We built the pastor's house with that old truck. Uh, set him on a pillow to let him drive it. I sitting in the middle. Monday night was trash night. And uh, and we had to take, go to church, get the trash, take it out. We'd go down the county road and up around the church, drive it. And then have to go down the county road to the high, main highway and turn around and come back. And uh, I asked him one day, I said, son, I said, what, what do you want to go do all this? Well, there's no fun in going picking up trash. There's no no fun in getting out there and... 80, 90 degree heat and mow and weed eat and all that. I'll never forget what he said, Brother McCall. He said, Dad, he said, I just want to be like you. And we should be like our Heavenly Father. I wanted to invest in my kids everything that I could invest in them. There was never a question on Wednesday night Bible study. If we was going to Bible study, we went. There was never a question on Sunday morning. If we was going to church or Sunday night. Tony was down here dating Meredith. And uh, not always. There was an exception. But most times, I told him, you're back for church on Sunday. So plan accordingly. Because I was investing, and I don't have the answers, but I was investing. But what I invested in, this young man and his wife and little girl is sitting on Pentecostal pews today. My daughter played music at our home church today. My son-in-law led the service. He's pastoring a little community church on Sunday nights that they're a big part of. 
it wasn't the money. It wasn't, I didn't have the, the money to send them to the, the major colleges, brother. I didn't have the money to get their, their major education and the degrees behind their name. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm all for education and all for those things. But I'd rather see them sitting on a Pentecostal apostolic pew more than a degree that hangs on their wall. So invest in them. David painted a bright future for Solomon and he prepared him for a dream of things that was, he was going to accomplish. He stockpiled the building material and commentaries tell us it was only the best because it was the temple of God. He gave him everything that he needed to get the job accomplished. And as I read and began to study that, I couldn't help but think that the next generation always builds from the efforts of the previous ones. And we're not sure if the Apostle Paul had any children, but he did have many sons in the faith. And one of those was Timothy. And Paul poured much into Timothy. And Paul said, others are going to sell out Timothy. They're going to leave what I'm teaching you. They're going to leave this truth. And their love is going to wax cold. So he said, what I'm telling you, just let me say this. Don't grow disillusioned and remember how I lived and remember my teaching and know my faith and my patience. Paul was teaching the things that he had learned so he could continue in the faith. He wanted to and Timothy to continue in the things that he was teaching him. This next generation, these kids that are sitting on these pews, they're going to face things that we never faced growing up. That's why I'm a firm believer and again understand I'm not, I'm not pastor here. But I think that when they get to a certain age, you get them involved in the church. Mackenzie, I want you to stand up just for a second, baby. She's one of my praise singers. Another little girl the same age is one of my praise singers. She's one of my ushers. She works in Sunday school because I want to invest in her. You can sit down, baby. I want to invest in her so she knows she's just as much a part of that church as some of the 80-year-old saints of God that I've got sitting on pews. So we find a place for those. And then whenever their younger ones come up, her little sister comes up, we're going to find a place for her. And the young kids that, 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 that is in our church that's coming up, we're going to find a place for them. What you and I start, these kids are going to finish. They share hopes and dreams, invest in God's Word with them. We need to be showing them the church, the Word of God, our Pentecostal heritage, our doctrine, our holiness. These are the things that are important to make heaven our home. These are the things that are important. Mother Teresa received the Nobel Peace Prize a few years ago 
for her work and when she was asked, what can we do to solve the problems of the world? She looked and with a quick response replied, go home and love your family. So we need to pray for our children and our grandchildren. Plead the blood over them. Pray, pray blessings upon them. Encourage them. Don't sell them short. Don't give them to the world. Don't give them to the things of the world. When we look at what God caused God to destroy Sodom, it was because of the wickedness. I think it played a major role. But remember, God couldn't find ten righteous people in the city. For the want of ten, God destroyed the city. Destroyed them all. And if there's ever a time that we as parents join forces and pray for our families, it's the day that we're living in. A godly example is more powerful than anything that this world has to offer. They need to see Jesus that's in the parents. They need to see Jesus that's in the grandparents. And then whenever they come up against something in their life, that they know that I can go to my mom and dad and I can talk to them. They can go to my grandpa and he's going to pray and touch the throne room of God for the situation that I'm facing. And because I've seen it happen before, because we're putting something in them, we're putting the faith that in God in them, that God can do the miraculous and God can heal. And there's nothing that God can't do. So if I'm facing a problem, I've got enough confidence in my parents and in my grandparents because I've seen it and they're going to touch God with me for this. And as good as a plan that David had in raising Solomon, this is where he failed. Solomon suffered from David's moral failures. David was raised in an unwanted, forgotten child. David seemed to ignore the sins within his own family, but his failure was seen by his family, and Solomon learned by example. Even a man after God's own heart can fail. David failed, but his failure was magnified in Solomon. You can read that his son's heart was turned away from God by strange women. Solomon accomplished the short-term goal. He got God's house built. But Solomon failed at the long-term goal. He didn't set his heart on God. And in closing, the music would come. Parents, grandparents, it's in this place today. Let's live godly before our children and our grandchildren. Purity is almost contagious anymore. Those who live godly live lives, pass it on. They pass on a godly heritage. I read the story of a Methodist pastor who was retiring and his final words to the congregation, he told the story of his father 
dying when he was only 12 years old and he recalled as people would come by and and take him by the shoulders and tell tell him your father was one of the kindest men I ever met the retiring pastor said I'm determined that on that day that I would be just like my dad that should be our desire today not only to be like our dad but to be like our heavenly father because our children and our grandchildren want to be just like us all the dead sea may be falling and Sodom may be rising but Jesus said that it is that as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And if there's ever a time that we lift up our eyes, if there's ever a time that we determine in our heart of hearts, if there's ever a time that we determine in our minds that we're not going to give up because Jesus' return is soon. Lot, his wife, his two daughters, four people in all. God sent two angels. Two angels had four hands. And it was enough to take Lot and his family by the hand. Heaven gives us enough power for our families to be saved. I think we ought to make the rapture of the church a family affair. Because God will give every family the power to be saved. All we have to do is to call on Him. If we could stand to our feet. I don't know how you close the service. But I feel so strong. In the Holy Ghost. For us as families. Whether your children are here or grandchildren are here. Or just you and your wife or whoever that we would come around this altar as a family today. At the close of this service today, we pray together as a family, calling on the name of the Lord. Can we all come? Can we all come this afternoon? We're not going to embarrass anybody. We're not. We just want to Pray a prayer blessing upon each family in this church. The family is one of the most is the most important things that you have. It's not the kind of car you drove in to church in. It's not how much money's in the bank. It's not the CDs. It's not any of those things. But those that you have gathered around you. It's the most important thing that you can ever have.
Invest in them. Pray for them. Plead the blood over them. Touch the throne room of God for them. And then the church, when it's raptured away, becomes the family affair that God has intended it to be. So the church has to be connected. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To the family.